Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On our Election Day episode, Tim underdresses for the occasion, I get disinvited to John MacArthur's church, and together we discuss being kingdom ambassadors in the age of outrage. Hey campers, rise and shine, and don't forget to get those booties because it's cold out there today. It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? Not hardly. And you know, you can expect hazardous travel later today with that, you know, that uh, that blizzard thing. That that blizzard thing. That blizzard thing. Oh, here's a report. The National Weather Service is calling for a big blizzard thing. Yes, they are. But you know, there's another reason why today is especially exciting. Especially cold. Yeah, especially cold. Okay. But the big question on everybody's lips. On their chap lips. On their chap's lips, right. <laughs> Do you think that Joe or Donald is going to come out and see his shadow today? Donald Trump and Sleepy Joe. That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's Election, election Day. Hey. Everybody, welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast, episode 11. One, one. I have been waiting for you to say that. I was hoping you would be uno, uno. Yeah. But this is our very special election day episode. Not today, because today is early, mid October, whatever it is, but. If you were listening on the day this drops. Yeah, it's election day. It is election day. It's election day in my mind. It's already. election day in my heart. Yes, because I want it to be done. It. I want it to be over. Yes. I just want it to be passed. So I'm yes. enjoying this moment right now because we're jumping ahead in the future. Yes. And I'm just, I'm living in election day right now. So happy yeah. November 3rd. Happy November Second 3rd. Second Tuesday after the first, first Tuesday. First Tuesday after the after last the full last moon. Something in November. Yeah. yeah. When Mercury is in retrograde. Uh-huh. Oh, man, this is exciting. Mercury rising. Mercury rising. Yeah, that was that was Bruce Willis's best, best work. False. <laughs> the moon is going to fall into the ocean after today. It's so weird. I guess when we say today, are we going to be referring? We're going to go back and forth all episode. We're talking yeah. about today and election day, and it's, I think it's going to be confusing. No, it's just today. It's election day. I think today is the official December 21st, 2012. Isn't it? Like, I think the mind's got it wrong, and I think it's Could actually be. November 3rd, 2020. It so. Could be. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to the end of the world. This is an amazing way of voter suppression. Election day has already happened, so don't go out and <laughs> vote. But we are we honored election day today by doing something that we referenced in the last episode. Tim, what did we say we were going to wear in the last episode? You know what? I I don't remember until you walked in the door, and then I remembered. Yeah, I, I said we were gonna we were gonna wear a t-shirt and shorts and a hat and some comfy shoes. That is a lie. Straight from the pit, pit of Sheol. Mm. In fact, our oh, well, I guess you're meant to introduce myself. I'm Jeff, and I'm the only one here. Oh, because you're dead to me today. Yeah, that's fine. With me is Phil Connors. Phil Connors and Phil Ned Ryerson <laughs> on the board. I'm sure as heck fire. Glad to see you. And Josie walks in today, looks at me, and begins to laugh after looking at you. Because you look like a news, you look like an anchor. Like you, you look like uh, what's what's Anchorman's name? Ron Burgundy. Burgundy. That's oh, it. thank you. Yeah, you just that don't is, have the hair. 
No, I don't. Josie just held up on his iPad. Your embarrassment is my joy. I guess we should yeah. talk about what we are. Uh, Stay classy, about. good Christian people. I'm wearing a suit today. Mm-hmm. Tim is barely wearing clothes. Mm. I mean, you would think it is 900 degrees with the little that you're wearing. Come on. Yeah, summertime, November 3rd. <laughs> Hot time, summer in the city. So, you know, I was like, I was rushing around all afternoon. I had to grab a shower. I was like, I got to throw on this suit because we said we were going to do this bit. Mm-hmm. We're going to take pictures. We're going to put mm-hmm. it up on social media in honor. I even mm-hmm. mentioned I was going to wear a purple tie mm-hmm. to, you know, red and blue coming together. I'm mm-hmm. noncommittal. And I am wearing a snazzy suit with a purple tie. And Tim, what are you wearing? A t-shirt, shorts, and comfy shoes. It's ridiculous. Uh, you know what? Are ridiculous. You, are you employed in 2021? I don't know. You're welcome. I don't know if I so am. Stop complaining about your daggone suit. Well, don't lie to me. Lie to, I don't, you know, I, I honestly, I forgot. Did I put it in the show notes? No. Yes. No. I did. You, you, you hid I, it. I did. You hid it Guys, in there. I, it's the second three words on the, on the page that read, says, I don't read that. It's election day. We wear suits. That's what I'm supposed Right. That's what I'm supposed to. That's going to jostle my memory. <laughs> anyway. Well, Moving I would on. hope so. That would be a weird thing to say we wear suits. Why would he say that? Because you said you're we going to wear a suit. And so here I am. And it's really hot because we turn off the air conditioning. I wear my booties because it's cold out there. Today. It's cold every day. What is this? Miami Beach? Wouldn't today be a terrible day to be like stuck in a Groundhog Day loop? If it's November 3rd. Yes. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, it definitely would. That would not be good. Yeah. It is so weird to think about talking future as if it is happening now. It just. We had a conversation. Well, when I say we, sometimes I feel like I'm schizophrenic because I say we when I mean I. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a conversation with one of our friends, Jeremy, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. On our Good Christian People podcast Facebook. You should jump on there and talk to us. And he posted a cute little picture of Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. And the scene where he's at the bar mm-hmm. and he goes out and he sees the, you know, the newspaper that's been framed says we've landed landing. on the moon, we landed on the moon, which is one of the best parts of the whole scene. He said, this is what I feel like for the first 20 minutes of our podcast. Right. Because, because we're, we're coming to you from the past mm-hmm. and we're talking about things that were current two and a half weeks ago. And yeah. now you don't care about it anymore because yeah. life has already moved on. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think will happen in three weeks? I know we did. What do you think will happen with the election? But, um, he suggested we kind of Tom Brokaw Saturday Night Live sketch this thing where mm-hmm. we started talking about President Harold Ford died by being eaten by Wolverines or something like that. Okay. So I think we uh, maybe in the next episode we just do a whole bunch of potential current events that could happen in three weeks. Gotcha. I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we're we're so ahead of schedule with the recording that maybe we slow it down a little bit and. We'll, we'll see. We'll figure out something to do to make it a little more current. But yeah, I do know that next, the ne- at least the next week, maybe two, maybe three, if I get my way, we're we're gonna like palate cleanse and we're gonna do some we more, are more lighthearted. Oh, for sure. Good. All right. The next episode. That's why I'm really excited about I'm this. Dead being inside after this. election day. Yeah. When we walk out of here, I don't want to look at you guys. I don't no. want to talk to you. Uh, I just want to go. You know. The people that the people that turn on the news mm-hmm. and just sit and soak in it for hours upon I, they they have to be horrible people. Well, <laughs> like how do they have a soul left? They don't. They're I don't understand. People. I just I'm uh, kidding. They're not listening to us. Uh, I, gotta, I said we stop saying that. I said we stop saying that. So all right, current news that will be old news. Do it. So apparently, LeBron James. LeBron. Oh, is that his name? Yeah. He won 
I mean, um, I guess, and then the people that are also on the team with him won the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he plays sport. I heard that. Yeah. Sport ball. The only Does, thing you know about basketball is from the movie Basketball. So right. let's just get that over. Yeah. Let's psych him yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Real Big Fish was in that movie. That's why mm-hmm. I went to see it. That's, that's one of the best sport movies of all time. Uh, is LeBron James the GOAT? It doesn't matter. Ooh, that's a hot take. Yeah. So you don't care? No. It's because it's not baseball? No. Greatest of all time, it, it, that's just a It's a talking point that keeps people on ESPN employed. That's all it is. Okay. You're going to argue. I mean, they have whole shows about, is it Jordan or is it LeBron? Is it Ruth or is it, uh, you know, uh, it, uh, um, Mike Trout in baseball? Or oh, I thought it, you were saying Babe Ruth is a basketball player. I was like, I didn't, I've never heard of. No, he's a, he's actually a candy bar. But anyway, oh. um, yeah, it's just greatest of all. It doesn't matter. It, Jordan played in a different time, uh, same way as Jerry West played in a different time, same way as LeBron played in a different time. There's just every, everybody's different. So you realize you could have put together four different names, and I wouldn't know who you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I know who Michael Jordan you is. You don't have any idea who Jerry West is, do you? Mm-hmm. Who? He's a basketball player. Yeah, I bet you 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 have seen the silhouette of Jerry West more than you could even imagine in your life. Is he on the logo? The NBA logo. There you go. See, I knew it. Good job. I kind of set you up pretty. TJ I appreciate positive. it. I appreciate it. So now we'll we'll get into my wheelhouse. Sports is yours, but bad news came out. Broadway is shut down until at least May thirty first, twenty twenty. Oh wow. man, no show tunes. My goodness. They're doing stuff online, which I appreciate. Yeah. I mean, like, I know I was going to take some ribbing for this. I, you know, I love Broadway and I love going to Do you to take Yankee shows. candles when you go to see a stage play, stage show? No. Oh. Okay. They won't let you. No. Oh. But if they did, I mean, like, I have to check them at the door. Sure. My thing is, like, I mean, my family, we love going to see shows. Yeah. And that, that when things return, we will be going to those shows. Sure. Things. I mean, I enjoy it from time to time. But. I just feel bad because that is an entire industry that will be out of work for at least. 14 months can't they can't they like you know baseball and basketball and football and all that kind of stuff can't they just do their show with no nobody in the stands um i don't know i'll talk to him and ask <laughs> no you know it's funny i just had a total brain fart like i was like oh you know what that's actually a really good idea if they just did the show and then sold virtual tickets to like these live events uh-huh. why couldn't they do uh-huh. that but i'm sure the entire okay josie just said the entire events industry is in the same boat Unless you're working a Trump rally. I mean, yeah. he is. They get 200,000 people that economy. show up for that. Yeah. Time. Yeah. That's socially uh, distanced and everything. Not, not even a little bit. <laughs> he Did you see him come out to uh, no. YMCA? No. He was dancing to YMCA. He wasn't he doing danced what? To, I heard he did Macho Man. I heard I did see that. Was it Macho Man? Well, it was also YMCA. Because it was it's young men, and I thought it was really right. funny that he's like. Seven years old dancing to young men. Mm-hmm. There's a place you can go. Did he come out? Wearing something similar to you, or the construction worker, the Indian, the policeman. What, what did? How did he no, come? No, he to us? he looked he looked like the like you, like, yeah, like me. Oh, he in a like suit. You. Very good. Is that a Trump tie that you have, by the way? No, it's not a Trump tie. I don't no. even know. It's a uh, I don't know. It's handmade from some company. But you you did graduate from Trump University, though, right? No. Where'd you graduate from? Liberty University. That's what I'm. That's, isn't <laughs> that what I said? <laughs> Oh, I set that one Curse up. You. you really did. I saw where you were going. All right, so well. uh, yeah, you got uh, no uh, no more Broadway. Is, why can't they just do like Hamilton, tape the thing and sell it and still make some money? I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a really good question. Well, because you Hamilton made its money and then like sure. I don't think those people probably got a whole lot of money. I mean, 
Lin-Manuel Miranda, sure. he got paid for right. selling it to Disney. But Yeah, sure, sure. So let's say this. So do you think it would hurt ticket sales once they open back up if in this immediate interim they were to go in, they were to tape it, and then they were to sell it and make some money? Do you think people would not show up at the gates because they already sell it on TV? Not at all. Right. So. No, no. In fact, that's what people say is that, that experts say, oh, well, if they had access to this, they would never go to the live show. And what the fans say, like the fans who look at bootlegs, they say, look, this pales in comparison. Seeing the show like through video sure. makes me want to see it live. Yeah, and it really does. That's, it's a, a fan. Uh, so, seeing, you know, being in the stands at a baseball game is not the same as watching it on TV. Right. Same with you. It's and not the same. It's, yeah. So it, yep. it doesn't make any sense. Just, I don't know. You can serve the fans and you could also make a buck at the same time. So. Well, or you could do what some of these other places are doing. Like um, William Eyelash is doing her, uh, was it Billy, is doing like a concert. Who that's are you only talking about? This <laughs> is a joke. Billy Eilish. Oh, Do you know her? I uh, barely. She's yeah. a bad guy. Duh. Okay. Um, that's the song. Josie is. He's wincing over there. He's uh-huh. like, this is not yeah, a good start she's to the, the show. She's the purple hair girl, or whatever, right? Green. Or, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, she's uh, she's doing a concert. Yeah. On next weekend, and it's sure. like you can watch it for twenty four hours, and then it goes away. Like you sure. pay your money. Like uh, that to me makes sense. Yeah. I don't know why they couldn't do that. Sure, absolutely. She's gonna make so much money. Anyway, let's keep moving on. Um, Speaking of movies, <laughs> you wanted to bring up some faith-based movie because you said that you really enjoy your you know, subscription to Faith Flicks or pure whatever. Flicks. Pure yeah, Flicks. not true at all. Do you have a Pure Flicks? No. I don't either. No. I don't either. But I know your disdain for faith-based movies. You have told me that many a times. Yeah, thanks for saying that. Mm-hmm. On the Yeah, I appreciate you mm-hmm. saying it in a way that well, makes it sound a lot worse. Yeah, well, we're trying to be yeah. true and honest here. Well, right? yeah, we are. So here's the deal. There's a movie called Faith-Based that is out, and I thought maybe one of our palate-cleansing episodes, it might be fun to, I'm fun watch, to watch that it. movie. And what then was, what was the one years ago that came out that kind of made fun? Oh, Saved. Saved. That was a terrible movie. Okay, I never saw it. That was amazing. Like, that legit was one of the only movies I walked out of the theater on. Huh, it just okay. was so bad. I was like, not because I'm, I was super offended. It was, I mean, I was a little offended, but I was like, this is just poorly done. Like, this is dumb. And Sure. And I sat through the Bill and Ted movies and Hoobie Halloween, which was which was good, a lot better than it should have sure. been. Uh, yeah, so there's this movie Faith Based, and the whole movie it's done by Christians, mm-hmm. who the story apparently is these guys who started to look at the movie industry and realized Christians will basically pay for anything mm-hmm. if it slaps the name Faith Based on it, and so they go in to make a movie designed to just pull Christians in and make a bunch of money. Yeah. So I which get, to me, I go, that's kind of a funny premise. I would, I would yeah, watch a movie f- about that. Now, how true is that premise? Like is our faith based movies as they, cause I've seen the, the trailer for the mm-hmm. movie. Are faith based movies really the cash cow that, or is this yes. just a fake premise? Yes. They're okay. no, they're well, they're cash cow because they make money and they don't cost a lot of money to make. Sure. So they don't have a super high budget. So when they do make money, a bunch of it is profit. Yeah. So what's the um the I mean the 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 church down in Georgia, Georgia that remember. does the um courageous fireproof. Yeah, all of those. Mm-hmm. So I heard like the people instead of having like you know SAG actors and all that kind of stuff and all these right. different approved stuff, you you don't need to have any of that. And right. I heard like a you know, little old lady Sunday school is the one who is like the lunch caterer and stuff right. for the shoots. Yeah. So it, it costs them a whole yeah. lot of nothing. And you can't tell because the quality is just like those actors from Hollywood. Oh, is it? Not at all. Oh. Yeah. I don't. I, so I'm jumping ahead into like not even this episode into future episodes where we're going to talk about Christian art and why is it so bad. Okay. Uh, I don't watch Christian movies. None. None. 
No, you've I not. Don't. Have you seen God is not dead seven? No, no, I, I, I didn't see any of them. Oh, Mm-mm. which is surprising people. Cause I really like movies. No, Josie is surprised. It was a joke. He's like seven. There's seven. God's not dead. <laughs> I think there's like four, three or four. Um, come on, Joe, come but, on, Joe. Yeah. Stick with God's us. still not dead Stick seriously this time, yeah. you know? And yeah. So I, I don't, I'm not a fan of those movies and we'll talk about that later. All right. So happening two and a half weeks ago was the Supreme court hearings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They had Amy Coney Barrett and by on. now, by now she's on election day, yeah, she's in. she would have been confirmed, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. She's going to get confirmed. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've seen some of the, like the highlights of it Yeah. and I feel, and, and again, I think a lot of it's theater and again, as a political agnostic, I'm like, you know what? I have no say in this. So, so why do I like, why do I spend my time on yep. it? I literally have no say in this, mm-hmm. but it's funny how I feel like some of the answers that she gives is true and correct. Right. right. So like she is going to, she is being nominated for Supreme court justice and whatever her personal thoughts and, and, and positions are should not matter. Her job there is to interpret the law right. that is written, the law that is written. And that's what she says over and over and over again. Yep. Uh, but I guess the, the, you know, from the democratic side, they're like, yeah, you're not going to interpret the law just the way it is. And then quite honestly, the Republicans are like, yeah, you're not going to interpret the law just the way it is because they want someone with their ideological background to come in. And I don't know, but isn't that what the Supreme court was for? Yeah. It's, it's to just, just have no, to, to come in with nothing more than the law written on a piece of paper right. and say, does it adhere to the law? Right. And I will say having watched this, um, I feel incredibly bad for that lady mm. uh, because she seems she seems like a solid incredibly lady, incredibly smart. Yeah, uh, she handled herself very well, and there were a lot of stupid questions uh, from both sides. I the one that actually really irritated me was um, Ted Cruz from Texas. Uh, that when I turned it on the other day, like I thought it, I was like I thought this was a Supreme Court hearing, and he talked for about fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. just like railing on the Democrats about, mah, 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 and I was like, what is? Is there a question? Mm-hmm. And and you know, the judge had to sit there and just listen to him talk the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then finally, when he turned to ask her questions, he started asking if she played piano. And started asking her about what's it like to raise kids at home during quarantine. See, and see, my is, thing is this: who, who's spending their time watching this? You, well, apparently me. But my question <laughs> would be to this, Cruz: you wouldn't ask that of the other guys the other men that had been put up, you wouldn't say, Hey, do you play piano? Like, do you like to knit? I'm like, she's smarter than you. She's smarter than pretty much everybody else in that room. Did you see this? The, um, the thing where she was asked what she had on her notepad. Yeah, I did. That was, I mean, that went viral. That was was cool. Sure. That was cool. And, and I'm like, she's, she's the smartest person in the room and, and she's being talked down to like, she's Mm -hmm. just the, you know, little lady who doesn't have anything going on. I'm like, she's, she's doing okay. So, but congratulations, um, justice. I'm, I'm assuming like, let's just go ahead and say it's like, I feel like that is something we can say in the future is going to happen. If so that I, doesn't happen, then. And so we know the, the Republicans are pushing and mm-hmm. the Democrats are pulling. Do they, do the Democrats have the pull to stop it? I don't no, even know. They okay. don't No, But so their whole plan is that if Joe Biden wins, they're just going to pack the court. Which means they will just go in and say, we can now... Now we we're have gonna, 17 justices. We're going to have 17 justices, and Biden gets to pick all of them. Can, and you, imagine, then, can you imagine uh, the, the person who works at the Supreme Court building, who is like the... Um, 
the, the person in works in acquisitions, right? The logistics and acquisitions person. Can you imagine how excited they would be? Be like, <laughs> oh, I can buy new desks and I can buy new chairs and I'm right. going to have to set up 17, you know, like eight more new offices. That yeah. would be great. Yeah. Like I know who they're voting for, for sure. Right. Because they just, they, <laughs> they want more. <laughs> they just want to do more. Like I'm so bored. I haven't changed the desk. <laughs> like, like these people still have chairs from the 1800s. Like, right. Anyway. Yep. Clean the robes. All right. So let's, let's get in. Let's move on a little bit. Please. I want to spend a second. And just do a shout out to all of our lovely listeners. We're so grateful for you. Our lovely listeners. I had another message from my friend Brandon who's been listening. And he went on and on about how much he really likes the show. Mm. But particularly how much he really likes your humor. Oh, yeah. I... Well, didn't you? Didn't you I'm say just going to give you guys each other's number. You guys can text each other. A few weeks ago, because apparently, um, sar- the sarcasm that comes yeah. out now that doesn't come out in the pulpit, and yeah. then you called me a hypocrite mm-hmm. and different stuff. Okay, I did. Right. Just no, checking. he went on, and this was uh, such a compliment. He yeah. said to both of us, uh, "I'm a, I'm receiving some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will." Am I he, his great Christian person too? No, <laughs> no. And I went back and listened to episode ten, and I was like, man. You know, and then yeah. you were like, okay, here's a little peanut for you, Jeff. Yeah, I threw it at you. And he said, he, he thinks our humor is very dry and mm-hmm. there's no like laugh track. There's no LOLs. Mm-hmm. And so we have to just, you have to hear it. And it's, mm-hmm. and there's so much humor that goes miss. And I often say that about the jokes that I tell that so many people don't get it. And he said, you have to be really smart in order to get. Yeah. So here's what I'm saying, guys. If you don't like what we, if you don't think that we're funny, go back and listen to it again. Brandon thinks you're dumb. <laughs> so <laughs> you need to, you need to treat GCP like you treat the office and just watch it for the fifth time. Right. And then you'd be like, Oh man, yeah. or arrested development. And mm-hmm. the fifth time you'd be like, Oh, there's a, joke oh, that, that I totally is missed. funny. I didn't right. realize. Uh, so real quick, I want to do, I wanted to play something, a little, a little game here very quickly, uh, with the two of you. Go ahead. Listener analytics. I looked this up just because I like to see, you know, where people are listening from and um, if we're famous yet. And you're I think one so more vain. No, it's you not. Probably because think this pod is about you. I mean, come on. Okay. And uh, you can look at where people are listening. So sure. I wanted to see how many times a day do you check? I I look the day of the podcast, okay. so right. when we put it together, right. so that I can I can come up with okay. stuff for talking. I don't know if this is like you know pull down you know and refresh, pull down, refresh, pull down, refresh. I mean, sometimes. Okay, right. um, not true at all. <laughs> so here's what I want to ask you: I want to see if you can guess the top three states that listen to us. Top three states. The top three states. Top three states. Okay. Well, Maine is pretty high up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alaska is probably the furthest. Alaska high. doesn't listen. And oh, do you mean top is in like top listeners or Numbers. top is in on the globe? <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Maryland, of course, Highest. because that's home okay. state. Maryland, number Maryland. one. Josie, do you, how about this? Josie, you write yours. Maryland, Virginia, and Texas. Okay. All right. Maryland has got to be, right? Maryland's is that number, number one? one with a bullet. Okay. Uh, number two. What's up, Maryland? We love you. I'm going to say the devil that went down to Georgia. No, Georgia is oh. high. Georgia's not top three. Georgia might be the fourth. Oh, see, I'm close. I think Georgia is the fourth. You asked for the top four or top, top three? Top three. Okay. See, I was just I was just giving you a bonus. There. Yeah. Just throwing it in. Um, I'm going to go with the red state of Massachusetts. Okay. How many of these are you going to get? So you're, you're going Massachusetts number two? I'm going to go red state of Massachusetts okay. is going to be number two. And then I'm going to call it, mm, I'm going to throw in Florida. Okay. Swing state, Florida. Uh, no, Florida is not very high. I don't think. I don't think we have any listeners in Massachusetts. Josie was close. 
Maryland is number one, obviously. Okay. Virginia okay. is number two. Okay. Do you guys want to take one more guess? No. All right. Jersey? <laughs> I don't Iowa. 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 I was in Iowa last high. summer. And not only that, it can also tell you like where people are listening. So yeah. when you see like Maryland has, sure. you know, 200 people, well, it's like, okay, from Linthicum and Severn and this and this oh, and it's this. It's that detailed, isn't it? It's that detailed. <laughs> Iowa, all of the listeners come from Council Bluffs, Iowa. That's it. I'm so, going to, I'm going to, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, What's up, Jay Haas, uh, Mr. N-Cycling uh, guy who might live in Council Bluffs, Iowa. I know he lives in Iowa, I believe. Okay. But I met him last year when we were doing an N-Cycling ride, uh, Ragbri, across the state. And I think he lives in Iowa. I'm going to guess. Okay. I'm going to guess that he probably just listens all the time. What's up, Jay? He probably picked it up from Hanneken. Yeah, exactly. Who, who shared it. But Correct. I mean, like, when I got on, I went, wait a second. Maryland, Virginia, and like with over 34 plus listens. 34? Yeah. Oh, geez. From Iowa. Jay, so, I mean, Jay has got, Jay's either listening on must. everything <laughs> that he owns and then a couple more friends or like it's like we're viral in Iowa. Iowa is uh, is a interesting state. Mm. First person to ever say that. That's great. That's Fantastic. So um, I'm going to include what I just said on the next episode when I apologize for what I said last week when I made fun of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're grateful that you're listening. But on, I apologize for what I said last week. Last week, Tim gave me the permission to apologize for him. Yep. And you made some very uh, strong statements, okay. very definitive statements. All right. And and as I went back and listened, I was like, oh, that was a little hard. All right. Uh, I need to push back. You said that Saturday Night Live is not funny at all. Well, you know what? I watched the last. I watched this past Saturday mm-hmm. with Bill Burr. It was great from from front to back. It was great. I, I skipped past the Jack White stuff because I'm not yeah. you know, Jack White. Whatever. Now, see, that's a hot take too because a lot of people didn't like Bill Burr. Uh, well, his monologue. His was, monologue was his monologue was, was rough, yeah. but the, the sketches were pretty good. Yeah. In fact, I don't know if I can say this on a Christian podcast. You can. But the Sam Adams uh, commercial spoof that they did right. was one of the best pieces that funny. SNL has put out in when, a long time. Yeah. And Kate uh, McKinnon breaking for Doctor Who dis. Mm-hmm. Oh, we yeah. notice mm-hmm. like that was we she noticed. did. She she took something that wasn't very funny and made it really funny. Yeah, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but SNL on on the whole has not been good since the nineties. Anyway, there have been some funny. That's stuff. That's my hot take. All right, and so now we are into hashtag blessed. We're going to start moving. Um, today is election day, unless you're listening on any other day other than November third. Yeah. So. Uh, we just want to encourage you, if you have not already done so, which is probably highly unlikely because... Rock the vote. Vote. Get out the vote. Exercise your right as an American. This is exciting because we get the opportunity to participate yeah. in setting the course for our country. Yeah. This is not something... I mean, this is unique in, in the world. It is. It's unique. Is Rock the Vote still a thing? Is that still like an MTV? Remember Rock the Vote? Is MTV still a thing? Well, I don't know. I mean, I know they exist, but like... Sure. You know, no, I don't. I don't. So think do pogs. So. Yeah. You know, so but they're not influential. Um, MTV hasn't been good since the Andy Milanakis show. <laughs> I remember that? Show. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> or Tom Green was Tom Green MTV too? Yeah, Tom was, Green was fantastic. Was Green. And he was, was the Tom Green was it YouTube and and all of the YouTube pranksters. They don't understand that Tom Green was the absolute pioneer of that, right? With a VC with a VHS yeah. camcorder on his shoulder, yeah, um, they owe all of that to Tom Green. Yep, 
I got to say at this point right now, Josiah's grandmother is very irritated. Oh, because uh, he, he he just he's walking out the door nodding. Uh, he told me in the last episode that she's like, I wish they would just get to something of substance earlier. No, I agree. Yeah. No, you don't. I agree. This is fun. I like it's we're like th- almost 30 minutes in, Holy but this has been smokes. a fun conversation. Right. I, I'm having fun. And well, I main know the people in, then. I know that the people in Council Bluffs, Iowa are really digging this. Sure. Um, so we just want to encourage you to get out there and vote if you have not done so. I want to remind you. Uh, regardless of what people may tell you, voting third party is completely legit. You are not wasting your vote. Go vote your conscience. Go do whatever you need to do to express and participate in in the selection and the of our government and what happens there. That is exciting. Do it. Um, we're going to, I guess, skip this because it was going to be, I thought, an interesting thing, but we've talked way too long. But I'll include it, the article link in the show notes. But the uh, there was an article that Christianity Today put out that basically asked, when is it a sin to vote? Mm-hmm. And I thought that would be a really interesting conversation to have. And we're not going to have it now. Uh, let me just say for 10 seconds. Um, so I, I read through it, yeah. and it's not an article. All it no. is is quotes from different people across mm-hmm. Christendom, right? And what I found to be absolutely fascinating was everyone was dogmatic in their statement and they were from every single spot right. on the spectrum. One right. person said the scripture doesn't speak to it. The other one was like, the scripture is clear. And the other one, was, right. it was unbelievable. Right. Yeah. I mean, but it was, I'll include that in there because I don't want to come down too hard on one side or another. It just really was interesting to yeah. just get a bunch of different voices interesting and, uh, and hear that I would highly recommend li- looking at Caitlin Scheiss. Uh, she, she said something really profound. Was she the Mennonite girl? I don't think so. Or woman, excuse me. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, she might, but you know, I don't want to say, maybe you're right. Um, but you know, you also didn't wear a suit today, so I don't listen to anything this True. guy says. And I was pretty sexist by calling her a girl too. So sorry about that. That'll be yeah. my confession. <laughs> Very good. Well, we have something a little special for confession today. Uh, if you're, so let's just be honest. If you're listening for the confession, uh, there won't be one today. We are doing something in its place that I believe will, uh, hopefully be significant. So here we go. Guys, welcome to Good Christian People, the podcast, episode 11, Christians in the Age of Outrage, part, I believe it's part five. Five. Part five, and we are, this is our final week. We are going, finishing out the book, Christians in the Age of Outrage by Ed Stetzer. Uh, If you have enjoyed this conversation over the past few weeks, do us a favor and buy his book. Uh, support the work that Ed Stetzer is doing. Um, he did a great job with this, and uh, we really benefited from it, and I hope that you all have mm-hmm. as well. But we're going to finish it out today. We have been looking at the cultural shift that has happened in our culture uh, that has resulted in convictional Christians being revealed as the minority. That yep. has always kind of been the case, but now we are, like, for sure, this is where we are. And the loss of power that can really breed fear. And that fear causes us to act in ways that dishonor Christ distracts us from our mission. And so today we are going to take the two remaining chapters, chapters eight and I think 11 or I don't know, whatever the last one is neighborly engagement. And we're going to look at three big questions that I think we need to answer coming out of this series. Um, Who are we called to be? What are we called to do? Where are we called to go? And we're going to do that by breaking down the title of chapter eight, chapter eight, Tim, what is the title of chapter eight? Do you remember chapter eight? The title is kingdom ambassadors in a foreign land, kingdom ambassadors in a foreign land. And we're going to take those three words minus the articles. And we're going to break down 
what these three questions are, the answers to them. And so the first thing we need to look at is kingdom. So who are we? We are kingdom citizens living in a temporary country. Tim, you have talked about this um, many times before. We are not the nation of Israel. Our allegiance is to the kingdom and where we currently live right now in America, it is a temporary nation, temporary country. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our allegiance is to the eternal, not to the temporary. Um, as much as it pains people to hear, the United States of America is not an eternal kingdom. It mm-hmm. will one day fail, maybe sooner rather than later. Right. Um, it will one day cease to be. And for those of us who are people of Jesus, people of Christ's kingdom, the one he came to usher in sort of in part now, but soon, hopefully in full when he comes back again to set everything straight, uh, that should be our primary allegiance and it should be our primary identity that we are um, people of citizens of a different kingdom. And so to bring in the second word there, the kingdom ambassadors, we then should be identified more as kingdom citizens more than we are of whatever temporary earthly sure. kingdoms that are around. Yeah. And, um, and, and as we are, are embassing is, I don't know if that's the verb. Ambassading. Ambassading. All right. So as we are representing, <laughs> right. what kingdom are we representing? Uh, I don't think it's, it's not wrong to, you know, pull out your old Navy shirt that says, you know, uh, 4th of July with the, the, the stars and the stripes on there, you know, from 2000. 12 or something like that, whatever, um, you know, be a proud American be a proud Indian, be yeah. a proud Brit, be a proud Frenchie, be a proud Ruski, you know, wh- whatever, wherever your country is, your earthly kingdom. Like that's, that's great. Be, be proud from where you're I'm, I'm thankful to be a Marylander. Yeah. I love Maryland. I drape myself in the Maryland flag. Yeah. I love, I love, I love how often we get to get taxed here. Uh-huh. It's yeah, great. Absolutely. Um, so, but, but at the same time, our, our people should see us more as Christ followers than as Americans. So we, we have a lot of work in India, right? With mm-hmm. our with kingdom work in India. And it is my suggestion, scratch that, it's my firm belief that when I meet a, uh, a man or woman in India who is also a kingdom ambassador, also covered under the grace of Christ and we are brothers and sisters in the Lord, um, even though we look differently, speak differently, can't understand each other when we talk, I have more in common with that gentleman than I do my white neighbor that lives right next to me that does not care anything about Jesus. I have more in common with people from the kingdom than I do with my American neighbors. Yeah. And I appreciate that you said that in our hearts, our allegiance, our first priority needs to be the kingdom. Because I want to be real clear because there'll be some people who listen to this and say, oh, you guys just hate America and da-da-da-da. Not true at all. Right? You can be patriotic. We are patriotic. We love this country. We love so many things about it. That doesn't mean it's perfect and we Mm -hmm. acknowledge that and we have to work to correct those things. But I wouldn't want to live in any other country. Correct. And and this is, you know, the I think the best country in the world. I'm grateful uh, to God that we are able to be a part of what happens here. Um, but there's a danger. I think how you can, can be patriotic, which is all well and good. You know, that is, that is a positive thing. Love your country, have pride in it, support and defend it. But so much of what we're seeing right now is like patriotism on steroids. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's not good. And that's this idea of nationalism. 
Yeah. Right. Patriotism and nationalism are not the same thing. Nationalism is bad. Yeah. Right. That is this kind of me first exclusionary well, love. Christian nationalism. That That's our platform. Okay, right. Yeah, Christian nationalism. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Christian nationalism is bad. Um, it's this me first kind of exclusionary uh, love of just what we have here. And if you are not part of the tribe. Sure then we don't love you and sure. you have no place here. We just kind of reject you outside of the circle. And that can be pretty militant and nasty. Yeah. And that's and to, to jump in. Sorry. That's why I wanted to make sure that I made at least the distinction between nationalism and Christian nationalism, because yeah. people who are, don't have our worldview, people who don't have the example of Christ to walk in, to love our neighbors the way we love ourselves, <laughs> um, to serve others as opposed to just serving ourselves. Uh, the, the people that don't have that worldview, if you want to stand up and be prideful and you want to say, this is all about me and it's about my country and it's about, you, you do it. That's fine. Yeah. That, that, that can be your worldview in your sin, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, but the way that Christ has called us to thinks other people more important than ourselves. Yeah. And if we take that, a, a nationalistic ideology and bring it into and mesh it in with our faith, then we're literally telling everybody else who's not an American, I don't consider you more important than me, which right. then makes us immediately sinful in the eyes of the scripture. Right. And so have you ever heard, by the way, a Christian American say, you know what? I consider the Spanish in Spain to be more important than myself. Hey, by the way, I consider the people in Uganda to be more important than myself. Probably not. You probably haven't heard people say. Such not a often. Thing. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's something you definitely got to watch out for, for sure. I think Christian nationalism yeah. is is bad and mm -hmm. it's wrong, uh, and we need to keep it in check. So I came across this article that talked about a book by Andrew Whitehead, Samuel Perry, and the book is called "Taking Back." I'm uh, sorry, "Taking America Back for God: uh, Christian Nationalism in the United States." Yeah, and so I was a little afraid of the title, little, little a little afraid of the title little. when. I read it because I'm going, oh man, take America back for God. Like that just seems weird. And I think it's, I think it's more, that sounds like mega. It's a little more tongue in cheek. And mm. what it does is really, it's more of a clinical look at Christian nationalism in the United States mm -hmm. uh, and how, how wrong it is. And they point this out in the book that Christian nationalism often influences Americans opinions and behaviors in the exact opposite direction than traditional religious commitment does that, Nash, Christian nationalism and our faith are so incompatible that that it's not like, hey, we're kind of walking down parallel roads and kind of hopping back and forth. It's if you are a Christian nationalist, you are moving in the exact opposite direction of what Jesus has called us to do. Like hospitality, peace, justice, neighborly love. Well, uh, he, he, considering other people more important than ourselves. Absolutely. And it, and they said this, that uh, there was a much stronger predictor for the rise of Trumpism, anti-black sentiments, xenophobia, resistance to racial justice, and the repudiation of women in politics. Mm. If you're a Christian nationalist. Okay. And so that's not great. Um, and, and, and we really have to kind of call that out. Uh, there, there's a lot of, I think that's happening. And, and we have talked very openly on this podcast about, the different types of Christians, the convictional, the nominal Christians, the casual Christians. I yeah. forgot what all those words were, but because they're just the real Christians and the fake Christians. Let's just call them that. Yeah, I'll be fine to say that. 
I on think, the record. Yeah, I think the danger has to be, I mean, that we need to be aware of is are are the convictional Christians crossing the lines into Christian nationalism sometimes? Sure. Because I think I think it's I think it's very easy to break down and say if you are a convictional Christian, you're doing things the right way because you love Jesus. But mm-hmm. it's possible to love Jesus, attend church all the time, serve and do whatever and still have those leanings towards Christian nationalism. Sure, because the sin of pride is the hardest to identify. Yeah. And 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 whether it's uh, a, a pride of self or you know some sort of a uh, macro or you say micro pride and just me or whether it's a macro pride and my tribe my people my this that and the other, it's one of the hardest to identify. And so, what we have to do is first as kingdom people, is we need to as we talked in I guess two episodes ago about realigning our worldview that we need to have a kingdom mindset. When you do that, it changes your thoughts, your words, your actions. Um, and, and if that's the case, then there really is no such thing as a Christian nationalist mm. because you're at odds with yourself and what Christ has called you to be and who he's called you to do. Um, that's not to say if you support a specific candidate, you're not a Christian. That's not what we're saying. Uh, but if you have those leanings into, I'm going to live this way and Jesus has called me to live this way, then you have to ask yourself, where is my allegiance? And if sure. my allegiance isn't to Jesus first, what does that mean? Sure. Like you all have to answer that question. I mean, each of us have to answer that question individually. Um, and so we just have to keep in mind, we belong to an eternal kingdom that no matter what happens here, no matter yeah. what happens after today's election, no matter what happens in the weeks to come, if the election isn't settled, it's temporary. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's great. America is great. It pales in comparison to the kingdom. And so therefore we need to have a proper perspective. So this upcoming Sunday, this is the post-election Sunday message. Right. And I've been telling my church for a year, our church for a year that it's going to be pre-recorded. It already has been, it's been done. And so let me, I, I want to give a, a short little piece of what I'm going to talk about in the message. Cause it's all about being an ambassador of the kingdom. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and you're a part of our church, you still need to show up. Okay. That's just, yeah. <laughs> anyway, cause it's only a, a portion. I, I, so or I, tune in on YouTube council yeah, bluffs. There you go. So I, I get this illustration from a book called how the nations rage by an author called, uh, called named Jonathan Lehman. And so he, t- he talks about this ambassadorship and he gives uh, um, a word picture, if you will that I just want to kind of paint if we could for our podcast listeners. So we are, um, we are to consider ourselves, our churches really to be like an embassy. We are ambassadors and we are part of an embassy and embassy is in a different kingdom. So we're, he, he suggests we should be think of ourselves as an embassy, not a lobbying organization. Okay. So we are a people of a different country, different kingdom inside of another one. So uh, in other words, so the United States uh, of America has, uh, according to the research that I have, 307 embassies, consulates, or diplomatic missions in the world, right? And every single one of those embassies, consulates, or diplomatic missions, uh, when it's on foreign soil, the, the, the ambassadors who are there, they can't command local government. They can't move local military. But those embassies do carry the full weight of the United States government, right? They carry the full weight of our our, as our country, our foreign relations and the embassies, they have ambassadors there that literally speak for the president and the White House and for our, our branches of government. They say here, you know, they, we are the mouthpieces of um, our leader, basically. And even if you are to, if you were to travel to France, by the way, and you were to go to the U.S. embassy, they would tell you, hey, you're standing on U.S. soil at this point in right. time because it's like a kingdom within a kingdom. 
It's a nation within a nation. But here's the weird thing that he suggests, and I think is a really interesting thought. Um, the weird, confusing thing for us and even for the world is we are ambassadors of a kingdom that hasn't fully come yet. Sure. Wow. So yeah. we're kind of like ambassadors from the future. So he says this. Imagine if it just in our country, the United States of America, imagine if hundreds of thousands of time machines just started to show up. All right. Just use your imagination here. Time machines started to show up and, you know, National Guard shows up, social media streamers show up. Everybody's waiting to see what the deal is. And out of the time machine climb a bunch of strangers who look exactly like us. Just normal people, just normal people coming out of a time machine. And they say to us, listen, we're not here to take over. We come in peace. Uh, we admit, they would say, that we're, we want you, We want to change the way you live because we would love to persuade you to give allegiance to our king as opposed to yours. But don't worry, we're not here to overthrow the government. In fact, we'll obey your government and we'll submit to your government. But we do want to promote our king's definition of justice and righteousness, not just yours. Oh, and by the way, we're going to hold weekly meetings and we're going to teach people to give allegiance to our king because we want everyone to know that eventually there will only be one kingdom and one king in the future. And what we're trying to do right now is to give you a leg up on the future. Hmm. We're not here as a, th a threat to your civic order. Um, we are yeah. just simply here to tell you about in the future, there will be one king and one kingdom. And our embassy here will, you know, we're going to meet once a week and we're going to get together on Sundays and Wednesdays, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and we're kingdom ambassadors. So as, it, as, and so end story. So as kingdom ambassadors, again, I would say, who are you primarily identified with? Do people yeah. see you as American first and Christian second? Do people see you as uh, a Brit, a British a citizen first and Christian second? Do people see you as an Indian first and a, a Christian second? Like that's that is ant antithetical to what Christ has called us to. He's called yeah. us to pay attention, as Paul would say, pay attention to the eternal things that we don't see, as opposed to the temporary things that we can see. Because the temporary one day is not going to be here, but the eternal, obviously, yep. is eternal. So, who are you an ambassador for? And so we are people in the past talking about people who will be coming in the future mm. about a king who's coming in the more future. You are a Bob Ross with words. Yeah. That was really, well, that was really Jonathan good. Lehman, but still. Well, yeah, but I mean, you took his work and you, I think you really improved upon it. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, very because good. his voice is not this. It's not. No, 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 no for sure. No, but uh, yeah, absolutely. That was really good. So we have to get this right. We have to get our perspective right. We have to say, this is my identity first. I belong to the kingdom, and that gets ultimate priority. Now, let's move on to ambassadors. Yeah. So if we are ambassadors of that kingdom, what are we called to do? Ed Stetzer says in his book, we are called to represent Christ and to participate in the work of reconciliation. Yeah, That we have been called by God, that we have been placed here, that he is making his appeal through us. And so we have to understand what is the work of reconciliation. It is the story of God's redemption to end hostility and division between God and man. And he's doing it through Jesus that we created this division between us and God. And then God was the initiator of that reconciliation to say, I want to bring you back and here's Jesus to do it. And then he has passed on that story and that mission activity to us to go and continue making peace or helping people make peace between God and man. And the problem is we keep getting in the way. Yeah. Like we blow that. Like it would, if I was God, which is really good for a lot of people that I'm not um, pretty much everybody is that I would just take us out of that equation. Sure. Like I wouldn't include us in that work. 
Sure. But we don't do it so well. Sure. And when that happens, then all we're left with is a bunch of really messed up hypocritical people who very often forget where our first allegiance is. Yeah running around and representing. And this is why we started. I mean, honestly, why we started the whole podcast, we talked about this in the first episode, which is we don't represent Christ well. And that ends up diminishing how people view Jesus Mm -hmm. because of the way that we live. Yeah. We tint the gospel with our own nonsense and it it it. and it used to be culturally people would go, okay, that church is just terrible. This is who Jesus is. We still sort of culturally understand that. And now it's, People are going, well, if that's who Jesus' followers are, then Jesus must not be awesome. Yeah, I mean, let's let's take this to the, you know, some of the churches who Catholic or Protestant have uh, issues with child abuse, right? Mm. Uh, so, you know, people walk away or run away from those situations going, I want nothing to do with that faith system. Look at how evil and terrible those people are. Yeah. And so then we, we've, we've broken uh, the chance. We've broken the bridge to be able to reach some of these people. So you mentioned the message of reconciliation. Let's read some scripture, man. This comes from 2 Corinthians 5. This is Paul saying, from now on, we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective. That's key. I'm going to come back to that. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, we no longer see him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has now given us the ministry Mm -hmm. of reconciliation. That is, Christ has been reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's key because we count other people's trespasses against them all the time. And now he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making the appeal. Since God is making the appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf. Please be reconciled to God. But I think one of the keys in that is what he says in verse 16. We do not know anyone any longer from a worldly perspective. Hmm. In other words, stop seeing the temporary, stop seeing all of the the labels that the world puts on people and start seeing people through the eyes of Jesus who are um, through the eyes of God, the father who sent Jesus to reconcile that person to him. And now, by the way, he is using us to plead on his behalf. Yeah. So in other words, he's given us the job, the right. ministry of reconciliation. So church, you are the great hope of the world. No party, no platform, no politician, yep. no problem solved is the hope of the world. We are the church and he has given us the job. And regardless of who wins today on election day, it really doesn't change what we doesn't are called change to do. a thing. Nothing. Nothing. And that's why we, you know, we understand that there are these competing loves, these competing uh, ideas, the church, our kingdom, our mission versus what's happening in the world. That's not to say that what's happening in the world isn't important, but we have to first go, okay, I, I got to get the kingdom thing, right? Sure. You know, get the kingdom thing, right. And then start dealing with everything else. And so often we have people who say, well, we just have to get the country right. And yep. then it'll all get back to God. And yep. it's like, that doesn't, that's not the way things work. Oh, wait a minute. So, uh, so we won't get, so we'll get, you're saying we won't get revival in this country, depending on who is our president. Well, you know, I mean, you might, I mean, See, I in, was, in a, in a, I, I don't was know. way off. I was way off. And so we have to look at what are we called to do yeah. as people of the kingdom sure. who are ambassading. I don't know. What are we going to call that? Representing. I liked ambassading. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ambassading. So what Stetzer talked about is that our role is that we need to be people who go into a foreign land right. 
and that we need to kind of study the culture. Mm-hmm. We need to build bridges. It's, it's kind of, you know, watered down versions of evangelizing, which is what is happening here and how can I step in and be a part of what's happening sure. for the purpose of ultimately making reconciliation between God and man in this scenario. It sounds really similar to I'll be all things to all people to the Greek. I'll be Greek to the Jew. I'll be Jew yep. to the American. I'll be American to the Indian. I'll be Indian yep. so that I might win some. Right. The, yeah. the gospel doesn't change. The culture does. And so it gets contextualized in different uh, different avenues. But uh, the, the gospel is the is let's just say the gospel and the page that it is printed on in the Bibles in every single one, uh, every single person's house is the most important parchment paper yeah. that our country has ever seen, regardless of what is down on Constitution. Avenue. Yeah. And our hope today as you listen, as you kind of deal with some of this, as you work through the book, is that you would feel encouraged and convicted to go, man, I need to sort of realign my perspective because the job that we've been called to do is it's so cliche, but it's counterculture, right? It's to not be angry with everybody. It's mm-hmm. to show love. We talked last week at how the world, everybody in it loves love. They long to be loved. This should, this is softball pitch over the plate. Like this should be a sport reference. Um, We should be able to do this as recipients of the greatest love. Yeah. So as ambassadors in this culture, we are called to love generously. Yep. We are called to sacrifice, to have, as he talks about in the last chapter, neighborly engagement. Um, We're to be good citizens. Like it's not just like we're to be good citizens to positively impact our community. And in the, in return, make the gospel attractive in our behavior. So one of the ways that we see this being played out right now, like there is a a live case study between two churches that show how we can, how the way to, I believe, the way to engage in culture and the way not to engage in culture. Okay. And the first one is from a little church not too far from us, Capitol Hill Baptist Church, yeah. Mark Devers. Yeah. So I don't know if you've been following what happened, but... In D.C., they were told, hey, you have to shut down with quarantine, COVID. You can't do this. They're a megachurch. They've got a lot going on. Yep. They uh, went and petitioned and said, can we please have more than 100 people coming on? We have kind of what we did at our church, which we came up with a plan that said we will protect our people. We are invested mm-hmm. in our people more than the government is. We care for our people more than the government does. And they they played by the rules. They did everything they were supposed to do. They still followed the law right. and they petitioned the government politely. And they said no. The government said no, but they were able to then go and through the court system, right. the judge ruled, you guys are legit to do this. You can do it. You acted in good faith. You were protecting your people. Mm-hmm. You have different systems in place to still play by the rules and be good citizens. And well, that's what they did. The issue is, I understand with Capitol Hill, and I, I, I think you're correct. It was a good case study on how to how to deal in this scenario with government and with judicial process and all that kind of stuff is the district would not allow them to meet even outside. Right. They could meet outside. Even though the district, so the district was saying, no, you cannot gather, but protest, sure, we'll sign off on right. you to gather. And so the the church was actually meeting in Northern Virginia. Right. They're meeting right. in Northern Virginia. Like, we're still meeting, but can we just meet in a park down the street? Right. Like, can we do that and still, you know, like, can we take all of the same precautions that the protesters are supposed to? Right. And can we do that? And the government said no. And then that's when they went to the courts and the courts were like, yeah, that doesn't make yeah. any sense. This they, is acted, not they acted in good faith. Yeah. They acted in good faith. And when something wasn't constitutional, they petitioned in a way that still gave honor to God. Sure. 
And then on the flip side, on the other coast, in L.A., we have John MacArthur and Grace Community Church. Go ahead. These guys, we haven't talked about this, so I don't know where you stand on this, but I think I know, and I think we would probably agree. Okay. Uh, John MacArthur, basically they said, you guys need to shut down or you need to put some, you know, measures in place. And John MacArthur said, over my dead body, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, is terrible. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, mega church. And they said, everybody Mm -hmm. come, you don't have to wear masks. Mm -hmm. We don't have to socially distance. Mm -hmm. We can just sit here and continue to be open. Mm -hmm. Basically gave a gigantic middle finger to the, uh, the government. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't believe as Christians were called to do that. Mm -hmm. And then MacArthur got up and basically said, churches everywhere do the same thing we're doing. And I'm like, sit down. How do you feel about that? I have respect for John MacArthur historically. I think he's done a lot of good stuff. I've read through some of his books and commentaries, and I think he's a very uh, knowledgeable man. Uh, I would say uh, if I could judge him as a brother, uh, I would say he's not acting very wisely during this yeah. time. Of course, I'm 40 years his junior, but uh, I, I don't think that he is uh, understanding the impact of his words and his mm-hmm. leadership at this point in time. As I have made the point several times, I wear a mask out of love for my neighbor. Sure. Uh, you know, and so we're living in a time where that that's, that's literally what you're doing. The mask doesn't protect you. It protects the other people. Right. And so it, it's so for me wearing a mask and, and, and I know some of my more staunch conservative brothers will, will roll their eyes when I say this uh, 2020 mask wearing is kind of like washing your brother's feet. Yeah. You know, sure. this is a, a service to them. It's a way to show them love. And so uh, for, you know, Pastor MacArthur, man, I, I think um, he is in very dangerous waters of, again, tinting the gospel to be uh, we are all about freedom of assembly that is in our Constitution. When brothers and sisters across the country who don't have our Constitution still meet and still do so uh, under, you know, government authority and all yeah. that kind of stuff and still do it in different ways. You know, yeah. uh, so, you know, to the, the underground church in, in Asia, uh, you know, I, I would say that they're probably if they knew what was going on at MacArthur's church, they would probably be very confused. Yeah. As to what's the problem? Right. Like, what is the issue? I, I yeah. don't I don't get it. And I, so to me, um, to, to me, I, I think he, their, their church may be mixing the importance of gathering in the gospel versus you know, celebrating some sort of first amendment, you know, right. So yeah. Mask wearing is a way to show love to, to your neighbor. Right. At the same time, I also think, and this isn't going to land well, I think with our conservative folk, um, I think it's also a good opportunity to put into practice this idea of obeying the authorities over you. Agree. That, that is, is conservatives. We tend to be very, Freedom, 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 freedom. Mm-hmm. Don't do anything that I don't like that, mm-hmm. that stomps on my freedom. And and I, I mean, I, the, the mask thing, you know, it annoyed me when we started. I was like, this sure. is this is not like whatever. Nobody wants to wear Nobody a mask. Nobody wants to wear it. Of course. But this is also an opportunity where God is saying, I have asked you, Christian, who has pledged their allegiance to me, yeah. to act in this way, which is to honor the authorities over you. Of course. And this is a way to do it in a way that is just mildly inconvenient Correct. to you. If this is a version of all things to all people. This is all to the things mask to all wearer, people. I will wear a mask. Yep. To the to, government to say, you know what, there will be a time there will 
I'm sure be a time where as the church, we will have to step up and push back against the government yeah. in ways that honor God. This is not the hill to die on. This is not what ambassadors do. This is ambassadors. We are in, we are of a different nation living in your nation and we will obey your nation's laws while we yeah. are living in your nation. That's what we do. So uh, to, the last thing about that, that whole time machine yeah. word picture there. Uh, he makes the point that we as Christians, we are and we are not a threat to the civic order. He says we sure. are not a threat to the civic order we're, because we're not an invader. We're not an insurrectionist. We're not going to lead a revolution. But we are an invader like a virus is, like a termite is. Yeah. Like We're not here to push our way to the front of the line. We're, we'll gladly sit in the back of the line and yeah. we'll engage with the people who are around us. And I yeah. think that's the difference, what you see between Dever and MacArthur. You see the difference between a, 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 a someone who is an insurrectionist uh, and who's just going to be in your face. I'm going to do it the right. way we do it versus, right. you know what? We're, we're still here to, we're going to obey civic law right. and we're going to obey civic order, but we're still going to do so in a way that loves God and right. loves the people around us. You still advocate against injustice, but you do it. One of the things that Stetzer says in this book that I think is just, it, it hit me every time I read it. Uh, it's on page 268. He talks about missionaries of grace lay down their rights and privileges. Yep. And that's not something we like to hear in America, but basically it's this idea of I'm going to sacrifice this. I'm going to give this thing up mm -hmm. for the purpose of helping other people, ministering to other people. And if that means that I, I go the extra mile and that's what he's talking about is, is turning the other cheek, going the extra mile. Yeah. You don't have to do that in, in, in old law. And Jesus is saying, I, I'm, I'm telling you as Christians, the way you are to, impact the culture is to say, I'm willing to give this up so that I can love you well. Well, I will. Um, greater love is none than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Just don't ask me to wear a mask. Right. <laughs> it's it, like it's, at some point in time, okay. sacrifice is a kingdom principle. Here's so election day here would be, here's, here's my, um, uh, my challenge to everybody. I'm going to jump to jump to a challenge to everybody. Uh, you, we talked about countercultural kingdom principles, right? That it's different than what everybody's going to see on the TV today when we watch election results roll in and when we watch everybody yell and scream tomorrow and everything. Uh, just spend three minutes and read the Sermon on the Mount. It is the shortest sermon that you will ever engage with, the shortest one you'll ever listen to or read. Just read the Sermon on the Mount. And then read it again, and then read it again, and then read it again, and let that seep into your life as opposed to the outrage that is around. Because then you will see just how stark the difference is yeah. between kingdom principles and the kingdom of this world. And so into our last point, kingdom ambassadors in a foreign land that we need to recognize that where we are, our mission has to be specific to where we are, right? Like what was interesting is when we went to India, our host, David, yep. he would tell us, hey, here's a great way to minister to these kids mm -hmm. through puppets, through skits, through this. Is. If we were to try to bust that out on a Sunday morning here, people would be like, bro, you've oh. got Bert and Ernie on stage. Right. Like no? it would not. But the thing is, is that each context is different. And as Christians, we have to figure out what is the need in the foreign land. Right. Like and so that that involves studying the culture that involves learning what is happening and so I guess the question I wanted to ask you, um, and we can kind of process this a little bit is in our culture right now in America what is happening what do you think is unique about our culture in terms of the issues the real needs the areas of brokenness the areas of destruction 
that the church right now should be speaking into? I mean, the, I <laughs> pick one, like pick pick a need in our country that the church needs to address. Uh, the church just needs to start addressing. I mean, sure. honestly, pick one. Yeah. Like if you're a church that you're just meeting on the on a Sunday and all that kind of stuff, you do not need to fix the world. You can't fix the world. You can fix you. You can with the the message of reconciliation. You can fix maybe the one soul that's across the dinner table from sure. you as you share the gospel with them. But I mean, you know, homelessness. Uh, you know, areas of justice and in, in, in racial justice, uh, sex trafficking. Uh, you know, marriage minister. I mean, marriages that are crumbling. People who are alcoholics. I mean, I, I mean, you can go on and on. The places of destruction in our country that the church needs to address. It really comes down to the church just needs to pick one and address it. Um, just there are so many churches who are not. Yeah. And so find one, find one and address it. But I think the most important thing about living in a foreign land uh, is to identify that you are. And that's yeah. hard for us as Americans. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, we love the national anthem. We love to be able to stand up and sing, I'm proud to be an American, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, start singing, I'm proud to be a temporary American, where at least I know I'm temporarily free. Yeah. You know, it's just for, for us to call ourselves strangers in a foreign land, it's biblical, but it's hard for so many people. I, again, scripture. Uh, Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim his praises, the one who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So you once were not a people, but now you are his people. You once had not received mercy. Now you have received mercy. Here's the payoff. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles in this land to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. So conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, among the other Americans. Conduct yourself honorably among them. Don't mm. get into fights and don't start to say we're don't, we're not going to pay any attention to you and your you know your your government you know mandates to wear masks. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will be able to observe your good works and glorify God on the day he visits. Back to our mm. two to our two examples. Yeah. Uh, I think there's one church that is square in the middle of First Peter 2 here, and yep. there's another that is not. Yep. And again, uh, we, just, we, we need to make sure that we live in such a way that we're actually loving our brothers and sisters who we only have a temporary time to be able to reach out to them with an eternal message. Whatever and and meet whatever need they have. Yeah, like your neighbor might be. Uh, every single one of our neighbors have different needs, so it's hard to really pick one. I don't. I don't know if you were trying to corner me on that one, but no, I'm not trying to trap you. But like everything that you just said, most of what you just said, if I had asked you this question two years ago, we would have been able to say the same thing. Sure. About homelessness, um, sex trafficking. We're aware of of all that's going on right there. Yeah, but mercury I think poisoning. Mercury poisoning. Yeah. All of what an ambassador should be doing is also looking at saying what is currently happening? Sure. What is the specific thing? And I think the big thing that's happening in our culture right now is really looking at the injustice towards others, sure. particularly in, uh, instance of race, sure. hot um, button issues, hot button saying. issues, yeah, yeah. uh, and, and women as well and yeah. how women are, are treated. Uh, again, I go back to that, how irritated I was with Ted Cruz, you know, asking this, this woman who is accomplished and brilliant, mm -hmm. Like what's your favorite brownie recipe? Yeah. yeah. And like, do you crust the crust off the peanut butter sandwiches? I'm like, you know, it, it, it's just, it's kind of everywhere. And, and we, we miss that a lot. And so I, to me, those are things that the church needs to be, be leading out in. I thought this was so, are we going to so, have a big, like uh, podcast on complementarian versus egalitarian? 
uh, you know, honestly, I have been thinking about that to, to try to navigate that. I don't think it's going to go well. Uh, for we me at have home, some, we should have some other women in for that one. Oh, we would. Instead of just two oh, dudes, for, we're gonna have to buy a couple microphones for that one. <laughs> um, and uh, and I'm gonna let you work the mute button on that. Wonderful. Um, there was something that happened on Twitter over the last few days, where it just it just blows up. Everything blows up on Twitter, and it it seems like it's fundamentalists who keep doing it. Yeah. But I don't know if you saw, but but there were a number of fundamentalists who came out to attack what they call woke culture, woke church culture. I did see that after you told me about it. Yeah. And, and it's pushing out against pushing back against pastors who are speaking out about racial injustices. Yeah. And my response would be, okay, I'll just like, I've never used the word woke in my life. Right. But if other people want to use the word woke about me talking about racial injustice, fine. Tell them to stop using the word. I'm still going to talk about racial injustice, but just get rid of the stupid word. Yeah. They're hung up on being woke. They're hung up on the difference between being awake and being asleep. And they are are reacting by saying, are you telling me I'm asleep? Sort of. No, yeah, for sure. 100%. Sort of. But at the yeah, same time, like, it, it, just get over it. If you're denying that these things are happening, right. yeah, you're, you're asleep. You're asleep at the wheel. And so it's we shouldn't have to be at a point where we are still trying to convince people that, you know, if your house is on fire, to have the argument about whether or not it's on fire inside the house is a dumb argument to have. Like, let's address these issues. And so one of the things I thought was really funny, there was a... a Twitter user, I probably shouldn't even bring him up, but I'm not even going to give his name because he's, he's a tweeter. He has like 38 followers and he oh. doesn't use his uh, actual name or picture. So oh, he's one yeah. of those. So we, we talked about that last week. Right. We don't, we don't pay attention. to. We don't, we don't pay attention to this guy. But one of the things that I thought was really funny was he called out by name uh-huh. a number of what Tim he Byer. called woke. No oh. woke pastors. Yeah who are uh, basically the idea is they should be excommunicated. Was John MacArthur on that list? He was not. <laughs> no. But you know who was? I, I'm trying to remember the names. Uh, Jamar Thisby, David Platt, yeah. uh, Matt Chandler. Yeah. Um, Some of the most theologically conservative names that you're going to throw reformed out Reformed dudes right. that yeah. would be, yeah, that, that are like, you've. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And to me, if you were to say, Jeff and Tim pick a pile to go in. Do you want the pastors that this guy is calling Uh woke, or do you want the pastor who is saying they're getting, you know, phone calls from, you know, elected officials to hang out with the people who are awake or do you want to go sleep with the other pastors? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, (laughs) I would, I would, I would say that was a twist of words. It was, it's fine. But I mean, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't call us woke. I mean, I we're, we're aware of, of things in there. And so aware, aware, aware. Hey, there you go. Yeah. And not blind to it. Not, not in choosing to be blind. Josie, can you pull up your, uh, the question you asked your hot take, hot take, because I wanted to throw it out there. I just thought it was really interesting because In this idea of if someone is woke, we need to Matthew 18 them and basically treat them as an unbeliever if they are discussing issues of race, of how we treat other people. Do you still have your hot take? Josie's hot take was this. I think our biggest mistake in addressing issues with the church is that we're willing to accept cultural Christians as if they're one of our own when we address our, talking about our global behavior, if they don't bear fruit, we shouldn't pretend that they do. I thought uh, it was strong. So you're talking about excommunicating those people those as people. opposed to the right. woke 
people being excommunicated. Yeah. I mean, we know. Josie but bearing would. fruit. I mean, this is a Jesus. I'm the vine. Right. You are the branches. And when you are connected to me, you will bear much fruit. And those who aren't will be cut off. Uh, those branches will be cut off and thrown into the fire. Uh, that is not um, that is not minced words no. from our Lord. And so the idea is this. If you are a Christian who won't be a kingdom ambassador in a foreign land. And let's be clear. That's it. The, the community that we live in right now is a foreign land. Again, right. I, th- I think the biggest step any Christian can make if you live in the United States of America is start to call the United States of America a temporary foreign land that you yeah. live in. I that mean, we I, love. That we love. And we live our, in. Our ancestors have been singing that hymn uh, for, for, for years, right? Uh, mm, this, this world, world is not, not my home. home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. So when we think of foreign land, we think outside of our borders. We think Mexico. We think Canada. We think you know the, the EU. This is a foreign land. Start thinking about it that way. Yeah. If you do that, you get your perspective right, then everything else will fall into line mm-hmm. if you get that right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it means to be kingdom ambassadors in a foreign land. And so we are about to start wrapping this thing up. Rabbit. But we need to just do a little post-election message stuff. Like where do we go from here? And I'm not talking about in the podcast. I'm mm-hmm. saying what do we do at this point back in 2016 you told me that i had to write a blog for our church uh-huh. and i took a long time to do it and we lost some people after you write this blog too yeah did not mm-hmm. um i wrote it and it was my prediction for the 2016 election and i released it the day of the election before you? the election uh, day before. to basically you know and and in it um had three points and here I'll be totally You're not going to read the whole thing. No, I'm not going to read any of it. Okay, good. No, but just what was so interesting to me was that when I wrote the blog, I wrote it from a perspective and I didn't tell people in the blog, I assumed Trump was going to lose. Oh, everybody Big did. time. Everybody like did. I, and, and, and so everything that I said in that sure. moment was sort of tempering. Hey, listen, here are the three points. Jesus is still on the throne. No matter what happens, Christians are still called to be Christians. And no matter who wins the election, we're about to find out what the church is made of. And that obviously the first two make sense, you know, but, but the third one, it's all makes sense. Well, but I mean, I guess it makes immediate sense. You're like, you don't have to explain it, but the find out what the church is made of, you know, I really thought at the time because of all of the despair and the dread of Hillary potentially becoming our president was to go, look, the things, the days might get harder for us. Yeah at this point. Mm -hmm. And, and that is something to lament. Uh, but then at the same time, we still have to be about the kingdom. We can't just pull back and say, well, we're just going to move to Canada or yeah, our work may get harder, but that's what Jesus has called us to. And we need to understand that. And I would say uh, our work did get harder. It did. (laughs) It did get harder, but it got harder because the church started acting foolish. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't say that in, in, in meanness, but I mean, we lost our way. The people over the of last God few years did over the last four, the people, at least white evangelicals in our yes, country, yes. All right? the, the white evangelicals in our country, which is a small minute like segment of the kingdom. The kingdom is so much larger than anybody that looks like us or sounds like us. But our little segment of the kingdom uh, did what the people of God have been doing since the very beginning. We made idols of people. Mm-hmm. and of positions and of platforms and of policies that were not God. And we have some significant work to do 
because I just want, I, I saw this stat today. Okay. In 2020 elections, deep divisions between white Christians and everyone else. And they basically pulled, this is a Pew Research Center. This is not something, you know, that we just kind of pulled out of our butts. Um, they looked at Trump and Biden, all U.S. registered voters. I mean, again, you know, there, there's a little give here yeah. and there. But 42% for Trump, 52% yeah. for Biden. And then those numbers kind of follow along. Like, it, you know, white evangelicals tend towards Trump. Like that has actually switched a little bit. 53 non-evangelical Protestants are 53 for Biden's 43. White Catholics, 52 uh, for Trump, Biden for 44. This is what is so fantastically mm-hmm. to look at. White evangelical Protestants, it's dipped from the 2016 election. Sure. 78% of white evangelicals are supporting Trump. Versus? Black Protestants. What number do you think that is? Supporting Trump? Mm-hmm. Two. Josie says 10. It's nine. Nine. Yeah, good nine. job, Joe. So, like, there's a lot of work to do. We, we, Our we are kingdom. divided. Absolutely. We are divided and we need to be people of peace. I think, um, Phil Vischer had put up a, a video mm-hmm. online not too long ago about why white evangelicals vote red and why black Protestants vote blue. And I, I think it was fairly well done. Yep. Did you watch it? Not yet. Okay. No, I haven't had it. Really I, well. I wanted to really give it the time, but, um, it, I mean, one it, of the things I hate, so here's what I hate yeah. is because we record so early. Yeah. So far out, the Holy Post, if people are listening to both, they're going to think that we just stole their stuff. Yeah. But more often, we record, and then I hear it on the Holy Post. The Holy Post is terrible. They, they're Don't stealing listen from to us. them. They're so bad. No, but what Phil Vischer's video, and, and we've got to finish. We but love the what, Holy Post. His video basically was it, was, it detailed the history of the Republican and Democratic Party all the way back to the mid-19th century. Uh, because I and how basically policies switched. Yeah. How the Republican Party was a Democrat, the Democratic was the Republican, and how even now very many Republicans say, "Look at us, uh, you know, the KKK. They, they that was a Democratic thing, and uh, you know, all of these uh, uh, black um, uh, people in Congress, they were all Republicans back 150 years ago, and it's mm-hmm. and how the parties have switched. And it was it was a pretty good detail of history. You should watch yeah. it. Absolutely. I'm totally going to do it. Anyway, that. your blog post, are you going to finish up on that? What are you talking about that? I'm done. Oh, so done. here's what we're going to do. So normally at this time, we would end with our confession. We would end with great Christian people. Because but. this is election day special, we are going to take a different approach to today. Okay. So I have asked both of us yeah. to basically put together an election day speech. Yeah. So now this would work a whole lot better mm-hmm. if you were in a suit. But I'm not. But you're not. Are you going to get on a stump? Nah. Oh. So we we have both prepared our uh, our two minute speeches, our closing <laughs> arguments, uh-huh. um, as if we were in a debate. But it was a very friendly debate where we actually agreed on everything. Well, you go first. Me go first. Yep. Are you sure? Yep. Because it's really good. Go first. All right. Foist. I, I don't here know why go. I said foist. You can't interrupt me. Mute. This is not. This is not a debate. All right. So here you go, guys. These are our um, our closing. Election Day speeches to send you out, and it goes like this. My fellow ambassadors, today our country observes its 59th presidential election. While every election is important, the 2020 presidential election seems significant because of how divided and angry our country is right now. And we know that whoever wins will not unite us. The outrage and division will not end when the election does. 
Knowing that we are in store for more of the same or worse is disheartening. It can at times feel hopeless, discouraging, and may even inspire fear in what is to come if the election doesn't go your way. So I want to encourage you today to refocus your attention. Bring back into view what is eternal and good, not what is temporary and broken. Get the proper perspective of a kingdom ambassador. You do not need to fear because God is, has been, and will forever be on the throne. God spoke the world into existence and has marked off the boundaries of space and holds light in his hand and knows where every creature on earth is at all times and cares for it and sustains life for his glory and his enemies run from his awesome power. He is not confronted nor surprised by the presidential election of 2020. We are kingdom citizens who happen to live in America. Our Savior, the one who has moved us from death to life and adopted us into his family, requires that we act as citizens of our true home while walking around in our temporary one. We are to pledge allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom first, and if at any time the priorities of the kingdom and the priorities of our country are at odds, the kingdom must win. Our King has called us to be ambassadors of his reconciliation, to participate in the work of making peace between God and man, but we cannot bring about peace if we are participating in division. We are to recognize and give dignity to everyone as image bearers of our King. We must humbly acknowledge that our story is not the only story, and we must listen to and not write off those who have different stories than ours. We must act and speak out against all injustices, not selectively pick and choose what will matter to us. We must show sacrificial love that represents Christ well, even to our enemies and those who hate us, so that our actions do not convince others that his redemptive love is not real. If your candidate wins, congratulations. Now you have a job to do. This is not a time for gloating or celebration. It is a time for brokenness. While you got your desired outcome, we are spectacularly divided, and there are millions who will be hurting, scared, feeling a sense of dread, for what the future holds. Those in the majority should seek to create peace by reaching out to the minority, using their power and influence to build bridges and bring everyone together. If your candidate loses, I'm sorry. I know it sucks. Whatever you will be feeling, filter that through a kingdom mindset. No matter what happens, nothing eternal changes. You do not need to fear, but you have a job to do too. You must still love and serve those over you and those opposed to you. If you need to push back, it should be done in a way that still honors Christ and preserves your witness. Lament if you need to, and then let's get back to work. The outcome of today will determine a lot of things, but it will not dictate the eternal. So lead on, church. You have been called by God, and you agreed to that call. The eternal king is with you, and because he is alive and on the throne, we can face whatever happens tomorrow. And that's my time. Do you yield the floor? That I was, yield the floor to was, the gentleman uh, from Pasadena. Yeah, that was great. Um, it was longer than two minutes. Uh, so here, here's, here's my, my election speech. My fellow Americans is come to church this Sunday uh, or tune in online because I've got a 35-minute speech for you. However, you want to read mine. No. Oh. However, I want to read to you. We've mentioned Mark Dever, and this was this was planned long before you brought up Mark Dever, and I didn't know you were going to. I, w- I want to read to to our listeners what he said from the pulpit the Sunday after the election in 2016. Okay. 
um, there at Capitol Hill Baptist Church because I think it applies exactly the same to us here. So uh, a man that I consider to be quite wise. He said this to his church. Some members of our congregation are happy with the results of last week's election. Some don't care and some are scared. It's our job as a congregation to live out the covenant that we've taken before the Lord and to show that Christ, that the Christ we share is more important to us than the politics we don't. The church has survived close elections before. It was here when Teddy Roosevelt was elected, when his cousin Franklin defeated President Hoover. We survived Truman versus Dewey. We survived Kennedy versus Nixon and Nixon versus Humphrey. They were all close and contentious elections. I was even here when we survived Bush versus Gore, and in those days we had even Mr. Gore's scheduler as one of our deacons while the Republican majority leader sat right down there in that pew. I pray that we as a congregation can actually see the gospel displayed as we love those who voted differently than us this past Tuesday. And part of that can mean some very difficult conversations directly with those whom you have pretty deep political differences with. But part of loving them means being willing to hear them out and believe the best. I know some seem compelled to have a more democratic church or Republican church, but I think it is actually best in the gospel strategy to grow as Christians and to reach Capitol Hill and this district by working hard against identifying our church with opposition to either party. We prayed for Bill Clinton and we prayed for Bill George Bush and we prayed for Barack Obama and now we will pray for Donald Trump. If culture has coarsened or some of our members of our church or community have lives that are made more difficult, we will, as we always have done, work to bind up the wounds and encourage their continued discipleship and witness until the Lord returns or calls us home. We will pray for the goodness and justice and, to, and for the right to triumph, but we will harbor no illusions that if Gore or McCain or Clinton or Trump or Biden had been elected, I threw that in, we will harbor no illusions that if they were elected, then the fall would have been reversed. If our politics, excuse me, in our politics, the victors and the vanquished live together in a fallen world, even though they experience the fall very differently. Pray that we learn well from listening to each other's histories as I have tried to learn. And pray that God will give us wisdom in knowing how best to respond to those that we're wondering if we should regard them as our enemies. Once again, the church's most powerful political word is the gospel, and the church's most powerful political testimony is simply being the church. I yield the floor. Yours was longer than two minutes, it and was, it was better than mine. Well, it was Mark Dever. So. <laughs> and Josie comes in with the hammer. Tim, you want to read it? Yeah. If your candidate wins. If your candidate loses, congratulations. It really doesn't matter. Let's just find Jesus. He's really trying to get that microphone. Josiah yields the floor. Friends and family, thank you so much yeah. for listening to this long podcast. Thank you for going on this journey with us. We want to shout out again to Mr. Ed Stetzer for his book, Christians in the Age of Outrage. We have been blessed by it and hope that you have as well. Big ups. Please continue to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GCP Pod. You can email us. We would love to hear from you. Continue having a conversation. GoodChristianPod at gmail.com. If we said something that uh, rattled you, please, let's have a conversation about it. Do it. Next week, we are going to have a palate cleanser. After five weeks of heavy talk about politics, we are easing up. We're going to have some fun. Focus on some good news. We don't know how this election will turn out, 
But we know how all this ends, and it is still possible to have hope and joy, regardless of who leads our temporary nation for a very brief time. So until then, be ambassadors. Be good. Episode was recorded on October 15, 2020, by Jeff Higgins and Tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. If you'd like to find more of our content, please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or follow us at, at GCPPod on Twitter. I think that's funny. Leave leave the laugh in because the people need to know that we're really funny. That was a great show. It was.